Let's face it, living takes guts and living a full life takes a lot of guts. Igniting Courage podcast is the place you can come to get a blast of courage from real people who are clawing their way through life just like you are. We're going to talk about big courage and also little daily courage. You'll hear people's opinions on how to build courage and how to summon it when you would rather join the circus and never be heard from again. So welcome. I'm glad you had the guts to show up for this conversation. So this is my interview with Sam Hall. Sam and I actually dated for a short time in, at summer camp at Interlochen up in the northern woods of Michigan in 1989. Uh, we went on to become good friends in high school. Uh, we spent a year together up at Interlochen singing together. And then he went on to Eastman to be a music major but got completely burned out, even though he was an incredibly talented young man. Uh, got burned out, got an IT degree, and had a very successful 20-plus year career with computers. Then in 2011, he made the semifinals of the Cincinnati Opera's Opera Idol competition, and he got bit by their performing bug again. And so in 2016, he left that successful IT job to uh, become a professional opera singer. He landed his first lead role in October of 2017, and as of right now, which is December of 2018, he has three leading roles lined up for the first six months of 2019. So one could say that his leap was a big success, but you're going to learn in this podcast, he's got to remind himself of that because Sam also suffers from depression. And so he's had to fight the success that he's had with the negative voices in his head for the last 25 years. So enjoy this awesome interview with Sam. And I know uh, you'll be looking for more information, so it'll be down in the comments. Well, good. Right. Hello, Sam, and thanks for jumping on the podcast with me. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Trying to stay dry. It's a little rainy down here tonight, so. Yeah, in warm, sunny, warm, sunny, warm, not sunny, Florida, as it were, right? <laughs> well, it's usually sunny, so we can't, we can't uh, into every life, a little rain must fall, you know, so right. can't complain That's too much. Right. Well, let us just kick off our conversation here. Why don't you just tell me a little bit about just your definition of courage. What does courage mean to you? You know, I thought about this a lot um, when when you asked me to be on, and I don't know that I have a really solid definition. I mean, it's so many different things in different situations, you know. Um, you know, I mean, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, like courage under fire, you know, you know uh, warriors going into battle or that sort of thing, but most of us don't ever see that kind of a situation in our day-to-day -day lives, you know, Thankfully. unless you are a member of the armed forces or something. Okay. Um, so, you know, most of us deal with different a different kind of courage, and some of it is, uh, you know, can be, I know I struggle, for instance, with depression, and that takes a lot of energy and, and courage just to get through the day sometimes. Um, and I think that you make a great point on the, you know, we think of warriors and we think of getting shot at, which certainly takes a lot of courage. And I'm interviewing a firefighter friend of mine soon, and I'm sure it's going to come up that way. But for those of us who don't have that, it's never, you know, I don't think it's ever productive for us to say, oh, well, you know, we're not really courageous because we don't, you know, we don't have those situations. And, and the fact that you bring up depression is such a big conversation in in society these days and sure, so you know and, sure. and it does take courage to get through the day so tell me what's going on 
I mean, I was diagnosed with depression probably 25 plus years ago at this point, um, and have been on medication ever since of one kind or another. It really just kind of takes the edge off. It doesn't make everything all sunshine and roses. You know, it just makes makes me able to get through the average day without mm-hmm. huddling up in a ball in the corner and <laughs> wishing everything would go away. Um, so, you know, and I've got the support of my family and, you know, my wife has been wonderful through the whole ordeal. But, uh, but yeah, it makes things that maybe to other people from the outside, they might say, well, why, why is that a problem? Why is that something you struggle with? And, you know, it's my brain chemistry. It's my own body fighting against me <laughs> sometimes. Uh, yeah. And it's not, you know, it's, it's the, the, the medications help, the, you know, counseling, talking things out help, even, you know, being asked to be on this podcast kind of gave me a little boost of confidence and, and uh, you know, uh, made me kind of reevaluate, well, maybe I do have some courage after all, and maybe there is, you know. So finding those little bits of success in everyday life um, kind of helps keep the wolf from the door, so to speak. Yeah, and, and you're, you know, it's funny to watch you. I remember we went to high school together, and you were always mm-hmm. a super joyful guy, and you're a phenomenally talented singer, and then you had a had a great successful corporate career and then you met mm-hmm. your wife and you all were in love and from all and then you left and now you're making a career as a professional opera singer and so to watch you from social media you seem like everything's going so well and and this is one of those things that I think the comparison machine of social media mm-hmm. doesn't paint absolutely because we don't we don't publicize the the struggles you know, we publicize the successes, um, but that covers up that, look, everybody has struggles. Everybody has things in their life that they had to get through to get to that success. And by only, you know, only looking at our successes on social media, it, it doesn't paint the full picture. And, and that's why I read an article um, just today that talked about how, you know, spending an excess of our time on social media can actually uh, worsen depression because we're seeing everyone else's successes, and by comparison, we see our own struggles, and it actually makes us feel less accomplished, you know, Um, when the truth is everyone is having those same, you know, those same struggles, those same challenges to get through. I think we all, as a society, need to talk more about really what it takes to, you know, to get to that, those successes that we celebrate. Yeah, and, and that's part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast was to say that courage is big, but it's also little and everyday and ugly and uncomfortable. And so if you think back to when you first got help for depression, what drove you? Because that takes courage to say, okay, there's something wrong here. There's something not okay with my brain right now. This isn't me. I'm not just sad. Right. Like, there's so, mm-hmm. so what did it take to get you to go and get help? Well, I mean, this it really hit me my sophomore year of college. Um, and I, it, I got to a point where, you know, I really couldn't find the motivation, the energy, the strength to get out of bed, um, which was not like me, you know. Uh, Like you said, I was, 
a pretty happy guy. I, you know, um, felt like I had, you know, good friend relationships. And, you know, it's not like all of that suddenly stopped. It was just suddenly, and it didn't feel like, okay, there's something wrong in my brain. I mean, it felt like a physical, I don't have the strength in my arm to swing my arm over the edge of the bed, you know? Mm, yeah. I mean, it was really, it's really... Um, uh, debilitating, um, and uh, and so there's there was that there was um, you know I would I would tend to suddenly isolate myself again not typical behavior and um, and was struggling in academically and decided you know what if I'm going to be here I've got to do something to fix this because you know this isn't working the way it is so. I started uh, some counseling then and ended up leaving school at that point and still took probably another year, year and a half before I really settled into a diagnosis and started getting medication and went through half a dozen different jobs in that 18-month period just trying to make ends meet. And it's not a constant, it's not like every day is drudgery. There would be long stretches where everything would be fine. And I would think, oh, it's not a problem. I'm, it was a temporary setback or whatever. And uh, then it would hit again and right. just become unbearable. So once we finally got on the right medication, then suddenly I was able to hold down a job for more than a couple of months at a time. Um, so it really... That made all the difference for me as far as just being able to function in, in quote, normal society. And 25 years later, though, this is still playing a role. You're still having valleys and peaks and, and all of that. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's not pure. I mean, yeah, there's a chemical component in the brain that affects it, but there's also... You know, there's all like cognitive behavioral therapy. There's things we can do, things we can think about to help um, lessen the symptoms, help us get through those depressive episodes. And so I'm still working 25 years later to kind of remind <laughs> myself, you know, no, look, I have been successful. I, you know, had a 20-year career in computers. I've now moved on and I'm singing full-time, which is something I never thought I would do again, and, you know, getting leading roles at, you know, decent-sized opera companies. I mean, it's it's been, yet my brain still tricks me and still says, well, you know, this isn't going to last. You know, you can't just do this forever. Someone's going to find out. Someone's going <laughs> to... You know, going to discover that you're faking this whole time. Absolutely. There's huge (laughs) imposter syndrome, you know, and then, and even if it's even beyond imposter syndrome, it's like, okay, I, I believe I'm a good singer. I think I have a certain amount of talent, a certain amount of ability. Uh, I've put in some of the, you know, the work to get to where I am. But yet when I compare myself to people who are, you know, who have been doing it longer or who have studied it longer, have more knowledge, then I still feel inadequate. And rather than looking at where I was five years ago compared to where I am now and how far I've come. And so that's the kind of thing that I need to, I think we all need to stop and recognize our successes and celebrate our successes for ourselves, not just for social media. You know, you know where where I came from and where I was, you know, struggling before, hey, at least I don't have that struggle anymore. I've got new struggles, <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but I'm sure happier doing what I'm doing now than I was, you know, five years ago. Yeah. And, and I, I hear this imposter syndrome thing. You know, I have mm -hmm. a friend who is a fitness professional, and she's done tons of certifications, and, she, and she's still like, oh, I don't even know half of what this person, and so it's so common for us to compare. So you talked a little yeah. bit about cognitive behavioral therapy and, you know, sort of arguing with that negative voice. What are some of the things that you tell yourself, or what are some of your strategies when that voice, that negative voice gets super loud? <sighs> I'm still, <laughs> I still fight with that so, so much. Mm. Um, you know, I have to kind of take a break and take a little bit of me time, I, I think, is, is kind of the most effective thing for me is, you know, recognize, okay, I don't have to be going 100% full speed ahead every moment of every day, you know, and sometimes I need to take that step back, take those, you know, take a, a few minutes or even take a day and kind of reset, reevaluate, you know, let myself feel the negative feelings and go, all right, you know, I know that this is a, a lie that my brain is telling me. I know that this is something that, you know, that, um, that has, you know, repeatedly come up over the course of my life and that it's not a helpful pattern for me. And... You know, maybe I'll take some time to do some journaling or take uh, uh, some time to have to treat myself in some way. And uh, maybe I take the extra effort because that's when it requires the most effort to actually reach out to someone. Um, yeah. But I'll take that, that step of, you know, mentioning it to my wife, mentioning it to close friends and saying, hey, listen, you know, I'm really struggling today. Can we just, you know, sit and have a coffee? Or can we talk for a little bit? And those things, you know, help kind of flush that out for for that day and, and let me reset and let me move forward. And I think the part that you say about kind of giving yourself a break and taking time for yourself and, and quitting the hustle, you know, it's such a, a theme right now is hustle and go out and work your butt off and, you know, earn it. And I'm all about that. But I think you're absolutely right that, and it takes courage to stop and say, no, no, I'm not going to be able to keep going unless I stop <laughs> right. right now. Right. Yeah, and, and I have some friends who, um, I have a friend who, you know, was worried about, uh, she's a very giving person. She was worried about coming across like, uh, you know, being able to support another friend of hers, but yet it was taking a real emotional toll on her. Mm. And I said, look, you have to take care of yourself first. Because if you don't, you know, if you're not well, you're not going to be of any use to anyone else. So it's okay, you know, to close that door, to turn off your phone for a little while, to shut down, <laughs> shut down the Facebook and the Instagram tabs on your browser, you know, listen to a piece of music that, you know, puts you in a better place or, you know, have a bottle of wine, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> You know, you know, have a friend over for a pizza party and watch Bob's Burgers. I mean, whatever, you know, whatever it is that can kind of lift your spirits and reset you, you know, mentally, emotionally, uh, or physically. Some people, you know, hey, when I'm feeling down, uh, some people need to go and work out, you know. I know if I get up and I go and I spend a half an hour on a treadmill that it gets the blood flowing, it gets 
you know, gets the energy level back up afterward, I feel better. It's just finding that impetus, overcoming the inertia to to take that step. And that's where that's where the courage comes in, you know. Yeah. Um because it's it's far easier to go with the flow. Courage is all about going against the flow, so to speak, you know, whether that be going with the flow of our, of a negative self-thought pattern or uh, negative emotions or going with the flow of staying in a corporate job as opposed to following your heart. And I had to break out of a, a successful, like I said, 20-year career in information technology in order to really pursue this career as an opera singer. It never would have happened if I hadn't gotten away from that expectation of society of, well, you've got a good job, you keep your good job, you keep your house in the suburbs, you know, you keep your <laughs> keep your 401k, all of those things. Uh, and I had to, you know, make a conscious decision that, okay, I'm going to try this other thing. If this fails, if this flames out and, and I go down and, uh, you know, and it's terrible, I don't have to keep doing it. I can always come back, sit back down in my chair in the cubicle somewhere. There's always going to be somebody who needs an IT professional. I can always come back to that, um, you know, and, and still make a decent living and still get by. But I have to, for my own sanity, for my own emotional fulfillment, I have to try this other way, this other path that was, mm -hmm. you know, suddenly open to me again after not even being on my radar for 20 years. You may have just nailed your definition of courage, too. Maybe. Doing the maybe. hard thing. As I, Doing the as thing I talk that's it. different. <laughs> yeah, right? No, but that's, but that's true. And for some people, staying in that corporate job is the thing, you know, as everybody's mm -hmm. branching off, and that's the way they want to go. So, I mean, it's also finding your own path and, exactly. and allowing it to evolve. Right. You know, I've seen you change your direction and path a number of times here. You know, <laughs> a number <laughs> as <a> well. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I have some other friends who I've seen just, I know a, a one friend of mine who's, you know, been on all, all the continents on the earth. I mean, that just blows right. my mind that she's traveled, including Antarctica, where she drilled mm -hmm. ice cores for three months, you know, working on climate research. And it just blows my mind that she's been to all cool. these places and done all these things, you know. She makes yeah. me tired to think about her. <laughs> but, um, again, that's that whole comparing ourselves to others thing. Um, you have to find what is fulfilling for you, regardless of what the world is pushing you towards. Um, mm grow up in a set of expectations based on maybe where you're born, you know, or who your family is, or the community you live in, um, and to go against those norms or those expectations, that's what takes the courage. You know, it would have been easier by far for me to stay in a cubicle, for me to keep making good money, you know, I could be... I could be living much more comfortably than I am now. Um, that would have been perfectly okay. Everyone would have understood that choice. The decision to forego all that, it wasn't something that in the moment I was thinking was courageous. It was more of a, I don't want to say compulsion that has a negative 
association, but it was more of a, a drive that had to be fulfilled, that something I had to at least try um, or I was going to well, regret, you know. Right. And, you know, I found the same thing, that the leap wasn't the scary part. The leap didn't require the courage. I'm a leaper. <laughs> it was sticking with it when all of a sudden right. you're like, oh, I'm going to have ramen again this month. Huh. I I have nearly quit I, singing multiple times uh, since yeah. I started doing it full time, and 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 I, I I thank goodness that you know the maestro at one of the companies where I work told him, look, I I think this mass production is going to be my last thing. I'm I you know I was in a a low place, things were tight financially, and I thought you know what maybe it's time to hang it up. You know because that you don't know how do you how do you know when it's time to to throw in the towel, because sometimes it is right. time. And no one can make that decision for you. You've got to figure it out for yourself. Um, and I had, but I was in a bad low place. It wasn't really me. It wasn't a, a good circumstance to be making that big decision. Mm -hmm. And I think he recognized that, and he said, well, what, do you, what are you going to do, go back to the cubicle? And just those words kind of triggered in me that revulsion, aversion to <laughs> locking myself back into that corporate world, you know, I I had very nearly a physical, you know, it felt like a physical reaction um, to that thought. And I realized, you know, I can't, I can't go back to that. Now, right. does that mean that I'm going to keep singing forever? I don't know. But it's going to have to be something that I decide to do on my own terms and in my own way. It's not going to be, hey, give up your autonomy, give up your creative side, and just go be a cog in a wheel eight hours a day. That's I can't do that anymore, um, especially yeah. now that I've tasted this degree of freedom and creativity and the spark that, that singing has brought back to my life. And it's so funny because I've heard of other people who have left like we did to follow our dreams and got a year or two into it and got to that part where they're like, I think I'm going to quit. And people are like, to go back to the J-O-B, and they're like, yes, please, you know. And, and yeah. like, I want that safety and security and simplicity. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's, and it's so interesting to hear everybody's different evolution through figuring out their own dream and what they really want. And sometimes it takes the trial and error. Right. I mean, I would never tell someone, no, you can't go back to the corporate world. Hey, for some people, that's absolutely what they need. For a while, I thought it was what I need. One of the biggest challenges that I've had with becoming my own boss is all of the things that they don't tell you about. <laughs> about, okay, now I have to decide what my schedule is going to be. Now I have to set all my priorities. They're not coming down mm -hmm. from corporate HQ. Now I have to manage all the finances. And mm -hmm. there's so many different nitty-gritty detail things. There's not a college course in, <laughs> you know, for, for, for me there wasn't. Maybe there is somewhere now. But when I was at Eastman studying voice, you know, it was about, okay, the languages and the music. There wasn't all this stuff about how to run a business, how to do a marketing campaign, how to present yourself in an, you know, in an audition to multiple, yeah, to sell yourself. You know, to yeah. think, of your, think of what you're doing as a product or service that you have to market to 
opera companies, orchestras, wherever it is you want to perform, they can't hire me unless they know I exist. And to let them know I exist, I have to decide, okay, what's the best approach? Do I cold call these people? Do I email them? Do I send them a package, you know, in the mail with my headshot and, a, and some recording? And it's all been trial and error and talking to other people in the business and taking yeah. it one step at a time and probably screwing things up. I know I've made mm -hmm. some mistakes in this as well, but thankfully there are still people that will hire me. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I continue to work on, you still have to work on the language and the singing and the music, all of that stuff, but it's this other layer of everything else that comes along with it that I totally get why people don't stick with these kinds of careers, because it is very all-encompassing. Um, it can be very draining. It can be very energizing, too, but I totally get why people choose, you know, everyone can choose their own level too. It's like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was always one of the things that, that uh, I tried to figure out with, uh, along with my wife. I was like, where am I going to be satisfied? You know, what's going to fill this burning, this desire in me to perform? Will it be enough if I just do community theater plays on the weekend? Or do I need to do more than that? Do I really need to go in and do full-time opera singing do i need will it be enough if i for instance metropolitan opera you know the chorus gets paid very well for what they do and you know they sing six days a week they're you know they, they work very hard but it's chorus as opposed to a leading role and i had to try to ask myself okay would i be satisfied living in new york city full-time and you know doing chorus work even at the highest level even at the met would would chorus be enough to satisfy this or do i need to do you know a leading role somewhere even if it's at a lower level company um right now i'm, I'm still pursuing that that lower level company and uh, those leading roles and, and hoping to build up to uh, to larger companies Mm -hmm. Well, and that takes guts, too, to say, this is what I want. Because, you know, when you go off on your own, you get to decide, what does success mean? And that right. is scary. <laughs> yep, for sure. Yeah, there's no more, okay, our corporate goals for the year are to increase sales by 5%. Yeah. You know. <laughs> like, there's no more of that. There's like, all right, so um, my goal for the year is to actually when I file my taxes, to have to pay something because that means I actually turned a yeah. profit this year. That's really, that's, you know. <laughs> but I mean, and even more than that, saying, I want lead roles in big productions because I can right. do that. That right. takes some guts right there. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've had some, some lucky breaks. I've had some, some situations that, uh, you know, I, I never expected to find myself in that hit at just the right time, you know, where yeah. I was available and the role came open. Did, I was in a production of The Student Prince a couple of years ago, and I was initially cast in a non-singing role, um, which, you know, was kind of a letdown for me. But I had nothing else going on at the time, and it paid a few hundred dollars. So I said, sure, I'll at least do it, get my foot in the door with this company. Well, two weeks before rehearsals started, they called me and said, hey, we had someone drop out. Can you 
now do this role and cover this other role. I was like, oh, great. So now I was going to be in a singing role and covering the lead role. Well, two days into the rehearsal process, the person who was supposed to do the lead role backed out. And since I was the cover, they asked me, hey, can you do the lead role? <laughs> so here I was, you know, I, I almost didn't take the gig at all. But because I was, you know, available, I went ahead and, and took it. And it worked out that, you know, here I ended up getting an, another lead role on my resume and uh, tripled the money that I was initially offered, you know, to do the small part and got contacts with a couple of other companies that subsequently hired me because of that mm -hmm. role as well. So th sometimes good things happen. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and being prepared and being willing to, to jump in and, and take on the challenge three weeks till opening, and they were like, hey, we need you to do the lead role. <laughs> um, so, That's so awesome. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm a believer in things happen for a reason, and, and we mm -hmm. end up in, in the right place at the right time sometimes, and uh, Kismet kicks us right in the face and says, here, have a gift. You're like, yay, <laughs> something good. I'm sure this is a question people are asking it people at home, um, about... <laughs> if you're playing along you with our home on, game. <laughs> yes, exactly. You walk on stage to do your job. Do you ever get mm -hmm. stage fright? Do you ever have to get, like, boost your courage to get out there and sing? You know, it used to be worse than it is now. Um, now that I've been doing it for a while, it's, you know, it doesn't come in that often. I mean, I still get nerves if I'm you know, stepping out into a role I've not performed before or specifically with a company I've not worked with before, you know, because I don't know what what that company's expectations are necessarily and and meeting all these new people and and trying to, you know, find out where I fit in because <laughs> believe it or not, stage performers a lot of times have self-esteem issues and we question ourselves and we and we're very vulnerable in some ways and so like being around a new environment is uncomfortable and is you know you're around maybe a conductor that you've never worked with before a stage director you've never worked with before that honestly going into the first rehearsal for me is far more nerve-wracking than getting out in front of the audience because by the time we get out in front of the audience we've gelled as a cast we know who we are in, within the confines of the show and we're we've all gotten to a point where okay i know how this is going to go we've run it multiple times through in rehearsal Getting in front of the audience is actually, generally speaking, far more energizing than it, than it is um, frightening. Yeah. Um, well, and it's it's so interesting because it sounds like the first day of any new job. You go in and sure. you have to build trust with the people that you work with, and it's so awesome Absolutely. to hear that that they, that's the building that trust with the humans is a harder part than performing the thing. Absolutely. And, and, and I always say that, you know, every day that I, that I go into rehearsal is like being at a job interview because mm -hmm. all of the people in that room could lead to more work in the future, you yeah. know, either directly by the company that you're working for rehiring you or by word of mouth. It happened just recently that, uh, that a company needed someone to step in at the last minute 
and the person they were stepping in for, or you know, the person I ended up stepping in for, recommended me to the company. It's a different level of stress and a different level of what's the word I'm looking for. Um, you know, you're you're under a microscope a lot more, or at least I feel like I am. Like there's a lot more scrutiny in that situation, and it takes me, you know, those first few rehearsals to sort of. Okay, here's how here's the uh, the vibe for this production. Here's how this group of people that is never going to be exactly together in this way ever again. <laughs> That's a, my, an amazing yeah. thing about this art is that it's, you know, it may be someone you've worked with before or it's a bunch of strangers, you never know. And you get together for this brief period of time and you have to forge these relationships and get comfortable enough with each other and with the, with the material that you're performing that you can really let down your guard emotionally and, and artistically to really bring it to life. And then the curtain closes and we all go our separate ways again. So that in itself, it actually sometimes can really um, feed into the depression because, you know, at the end of the show, yes, there's this great sense of accomplishment, but then okay, now I've got a month where I don't have any other work lined up. And, you know, and now the family in, you've just created. Right, is now, you know, gone to the winds. And now uh, you come off of that high of the performance, and a couple of days later you're, you know, starting to kind of get back into the normal day-to-day -day routine. And it can, if you're not careful, can lead into, you know, you can keep coming down that emotional slide and end up into a depression after the show. You know, the post-show blues, and, and a lot of performers go through that. So I've had to learn how to, you know, when we talked about dealing with depression for 25 years, dealing with it in a corporate environment is very different than dealing with it in this kind of self-employed artistic environment where there are these natural highs and lows from show to show and learning to manage those that roller coaster alongside the depression roller coaster yeah um, right. really it's a different it's a totally different layer and um, and that's still you know <laughs> still a daily struggle sometimes you haven't made it easy on yourself have you <laughs> no <laughs> no no i have not but yeah. the leap wasn't wasn't scary it's the everyday you know it's having to decide okay today i'm going to continue on this path i mean sometimes yeah. just keeping you know continuing to move forward and and okay i don't feel great today but i can at least do these two or three little things so that i'm making progress you know mm -hmm. um, and, and sometimes and one of my favorite sayings is done is better than perfect just do something mm -hmm. You know, right. just just get it get it going there. So, what yeah, project? Sure. What's next? What do you are you in the show right now, or you got one coming up? What's going on? Well, the next big thing for me, um, I'll be singing a new role for me, um, the role of Nadir in the Pearl Fishers, which uh, is an opera by Georges Bizet, the same guy who composed Carmen. A lot oh, of people yeah. know Carmen. Um, and it's a uh, production being put on by Opera Tampa. It's coming up, the per performances are uh, in March, middle of March. So I am taking apart this score in French, which always used to scare me, <laughs> um, <laughs> because I don't. I, it's not like I'm fluent in French or Italian. You know, I have to take it one word at a time and 
translate and figure out, okay, how am I going to pronounce this when I'm singing it? And then I've got to learn the, the music that goes with the language. And you know, so that's, that's kind of the stage I'm in right now, is, is learning this new role um, so that when rehearsals start at the end of February, um, I'll, everything will be memorized. You know, I will have a concept of who this character is and who the other people in the show, who the other characters are, and how my character relates to them, so that once we start working, again, this instant family that gets created, once mm -hmm. we start working together, you know, then, then the director has something to work with. That's always an important piece. It's like, as an artist, you have to come with an idea. Um, you can't be a blank slate coming into rehearsal. Right. you got to show up, which Absolutely. taking a claim on how you're going to, what your ideas are, can also be scary, right. too. It just never gets yeah. easy, does it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, make a choice and have a reason for your choice, but be willing mm -hmm. to negotiate it. Sam, this has been awesome. I think we've hit so many different levels of courage here, and, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I know everybody's going to enjoy listening to this and so we'll make sure that we've got your contact information and anybody down in Tampa can go to the the, the opera at the end of March and yeah. see you sing your brains out. Yeah, I've got one in March and then uh, another performance of something different in April and another performance of something different in June. So, and they're all Whoa. relatively relatively local. So, all of our Florida friends should come out and see one of them. Absolutely. Congratulations on having all that lined up, too. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I think you're, think you're kind of good at this, Sam. <laughs> I, I keep trying to tell myself that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my friend. Well, it was awesome talking to you. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, I wish you all the best, and I look forward to seeing you in 10 years. <laughs> up good on talking the stage to you, too. And, yeah, well, I, I hope to see you sooner than 10 years, and maybe just for yeah. coffee. We'll start there. Right. <laughs> That would be fantastic.